Please turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. And uh, we are going to continue in our study in the book of Colossians. I'd like you to stand in honor of God's Word, and I'd like to read to you the first 17 verses. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in your sexual in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put up and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms with thank- thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. God, we pray once again that you would work in our midst, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher now. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, as we uh, uh, gather together, I just want to remind you of a few things we talked about last week. We ended up last week in verse 11, verse 11, and it talked about uh, really the distinctions or the identities that we cling to. It talked about those who were slaves and those who are free those who are barbarians and Scythians and those who are Jewish or Greeks and how that really defined us. And uh, really, as you look at this chapter, chapter 3, some interesting things come about. Why is it um, that we are not to look at earthly things as you look at the beginning of the chapter in those first four verses? Where Where are our eyes supposed to be? The things of heaven, right? Not to the things of earth. Why? Why not to the things of earth? Because the things of earth have not given us eternal life. In fact, 
We walked in deadness of sin. And so as we walked in the deadness of sin down here, he says, he says, that didn't work. Now, because of what Christ has done, we look to the things that are above. And we don't look to our old identities either, verse 11. Now, uh, he tells us to put on, put on the, new, the new life. He, we're called to put on. And really, if you were here last week, we talked about the whole clothing thing, right? That there are things that we are to put off. And it's kind of discouraging sometimes as we look at the sins of our life, isn't it? The things of the old life, the scars that we have and the things that really marked us. And we say, well, yeah, we're supposed to get rid of those. It's just to put off or to put to death. And you say, yeah, I, I realize I'm supposed to get rid of those. But I want you to see, it's super important for we to see real change happens, not just when we put off, but when we also put on, put on. And today we're going to get into that part where we're to put on. My, uh, my sermon title today uh, is new and totally different. And I know that you've seen products that says new and improved, new and improved. And what it means is they're just like the old thing, but they changed it just a little bit and it's supposed to be better and it has new packaging. You know, that, that's usually what that means. And I was thinking about that. I was going to, I'm going to use that as my sermon title, but that's not what this is. It's new and totally different, totally different. Because when you, you, we look at this list of that which we are to put on, we'll see that it's a very different life than the one that we live really in our nature and as we, um, as we are born. So we look at verse 12. We'll start plowing through right there. Time to change the outfit. Put on then. Put on then. And that connects with the, the previous passage where it told us to put to death and to put off. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And then it goes on to a list. He tells us and he really gives us a foundation of why we are to change. Why we are to change. And it's, it's really an amazing thing. He says, put on then as God's what? What's the word he uses there? Chosen. Chosen. Uh, just to see if you're awake still. That's why I ask you those questions like that. Chosen. And what that word means, as you look at Paul's writings, as he's used it in different places, especially I think of the uh, Ephesians chapter 1, is that God has chosen you. If you know Him, if you have a relationship with Him, He has chosen you. And I realize that we struggle with that, that many of us, when we hear that word chosen, you say, you're talking about election. Yes, I am. Okay, because that's what the Bible's talking about, especially this passage. It uses the word chosen. And I know that kind of feels kind of awkward and weird, and you, you don't know how all that works. I don't either. I don't either, for that matter. But I know this, that this passage, as we're plowing through, he says, this is part of you changing, is that you're chosen by God. You're chosen. As you think about that, what does that mean? Um, if you put it in context, verse 11, flip back. Let me ask you a question. When you think of God's chosen people, who do you think of? Jews, right? Think of Jews, right? Verse 11, it says what? Jew or Greek. There's no, you know, there's, there's no identity like that anymore. 
And But this is what's amazing. And this is super important for us to get here. And this should get you excited. Um, I've thought about, uh, you know, as I've read through the Old Testament especially, I go, it's not fair. It's not fair that the Jews get to be the God's chosen people. That they get a placement. And they're really not all that great. And I look at, uh, as, I, as I look through the Old Testament history and I go, man, you think that they would have been better. You know, if they're God's chosen people, why weren't they more faithful to Him? And I start playing these things out in my own mind. And I say, what's the big deal here? Why? Why, God, why didn't you choose me? And I look to verse 12, and what does it say? He did choose me. In the gospel that He chose me. And because of the old distinctions, there's not a sense of Christ is the only one important. And yet in that, He says, I chose you. I chose you. I gave you a place. That should encourage us and excite us about what we are to be. He chose us to be Christ's. He he chose us to be His, His own possession. And so as He begins this whole uh, list, really, of saying, you need to put this on, He says, I'm going to tell you why, because you're chosen of God. And he talks about two other things, the reasons that they are chosen and what? Holy, holy. Now, as I look to the Old Testament, uh, were God's people in the Old Testament, were they holy? How do you answer that question, right? Sometimes, or not very often, right? Uh, on, On good moments, right? Not even good days, on good moments. And you ask the question, well, how is that true? I, I, I wish I could do this. I wouldn't embarrass anybody. What, what, if I, what if I pointed to you, pointed to you, and I, I said, you are a holy man. And some of you would go, oh, I wish you wouldn't be pointed because I'm thinking through my life and I, I don't feel all that holy. I don't feel all that holy. What if I pointed to one of you ladies and I said, you are a holy woman of God. You go, ooh, I don't feel that holy. I don't feel uh, what that is. And yet, that's what this says. And in the same way as he considered his people, and he made them holy. And the word holy is set apart, right? To bring it apart out of all creation. In our earthliness, right down here, what has God done? He has said, I have chosen you. I will make you holy. I will bring you apart. I will bring you apart from the sinful world. And then the third thing he tells, he says, beloved, beloved, or the one that is loved, the one that is loved. I was talking with Brandon this week, and I, I was reminded that I don't say this enough, but did you know that God loves you? Did you know that God loves you? Even as I say that, it sounds kind of trite and everything. It sounds like a bumper sticker, right? God loves you. And, and as you're following that car, you're going, yeah, but if you just go faster, I'd think that he was allowing me to get there. Sometimes when we think of God loving us, it's just like a bumper sticker or it's something like, yeah, 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 whatever, you know. Why doesn't he do more things for me? Why doesn't he care about me more? In this passage, as we consider it, he says, you are the object of God's love, that he has a love relationship with you. 
that he just doesn't tolerate you. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just tolerate people, right? We're going to talk about being tolerant today a little bit, not in the political sense, but in the scripture. But I think about this and I think God doesn't just tolerate you. He loves you. And he doesn't love you because you loved him first and you kind of reciprocate and there's, you know, he, it's a good thing for him to love you because you'll, he'll love you, you'll love him back and there's a lot of benefit he gets. He, he does this out of his own generosity and love and concern and care for you. He loves you. And, and in that, and in that, as we look at these three words, we're chosen, we're holy, we're loved by God, or beloved. Man, that puts you off the market, doesn't it? That kind of sets you aside and says, I'm not up for grabs anymore. You know, because that's what people do, right? That's what causes us in the the past uh, couple of verses. That's what they were talking about, right? It was talking about sexual immorality and purity. Why do people do all those things? Because they're up for grabs. They're looking for love. They're looking for a purpose. They're, they're out there grabbing at things and saying, will this work? Will this person? How about this over here? And what does it say? You're loved by God. You're off the market. This is the basis. This is, this is our new identity that we have. This is who we are now because of Jesus. And he says, based on this, put off or excuse me, put on these things as God's chosen, holy, and beloved. You have this new identity, the new core of who we are. We are to put on some things. Well, let's go through them, this list of five. It says this, verse 12, compassion. We are to put on compassion. The idea of compassion is the idea of news or a heart that stops. A heart that stops. I, I remember, uh, have you ever talked to someone and you, you begin in conversation and, and, and yeah, so how, how's your day going? And they say, terrible. And they just keep, oh, it's good. Have a nice day. It's they're they're so used to you know just saying things that don't matter. Salesmen do this from time to time. I can say that I was a salesman for a while. But just you just kind of are, are talking. You're not really engaging. And someone says, "Oh, my life's horrible," and you go, "Oh, that's great," and, and I'll keep moving on. But compassion says, "Your life's what? Tell me." It causes your heart to stop and to pause and to say, "Explain to me what what is it." Let me bear that with you. I hurt because of you hurting. Compassion is one of the things that he calls us to put on. It's the idea of the inner mercy that we have. Uh, It's the idea of something that will happen inside of us that causes us to ache for one another. He says that should be part of you. If you're uh, chosen, holy, and beloved, we have hearts of compassion. Number two, he says this. Uh, as as we look at verse 12 once again, he says, compassion, kindness, kindness. 
the idea of kindness is the acts of goodness and, and really how we interact with one another. Do we act kindly? Is there a sense of, of goodness because we're around? You think about that and you think, well, how do I know if I'm kind? Ask somebody. <laughs> if you get a good answer, actually even better, ask somebody else to ask somebody. <laughs> right? Are they kind? Are they good? Is there a sense of kindness to them? Number three, as we look at this list, humility, humility. And I I think that when we, at least at Bear Valley Church, we talk about humility quite a bit, um, maybe because we're so humble. That's, That's maybe the reason why we talk about humility so much. Most of the time we can, uh, maybe cover up some stuff, but in, in our minds and our hearts, humility, humility is taking the small place. It's taking the small place. It's that, that looking for that, that place of service and, and humbling yourselves. And I think what's so hard is that we don't want to be humble. We don't want to be humble. We want, I, I want... I want you to quit telling me your story to cut your story short so I can tell you my story that's way better than your story. You know, we we talk about an accomplishment and and, and in my mind I'm thinking, yeah, but I've done something way better and I just want want them to be done so I can tell them my story. And then as I'm telling you my big story, what are you doing? Oh, yeah? Well, there's something else I wanted to tell you. We play bigger or better, you know what I mean? We don't want to be humble. We want to be thought of as humble. We don't want to be humble, right? And this is very foreign. We we love talking and we love seeing ourselves, our name and lights. We we love the attention. And yet he calls us as part of this new self, as a part of this new life, to be humble to take the small place. In the book of Philippians, Paul writes about this and he talks about considering others' needs before your own. Thinking of their needs first. That's hard to do, isn't it? To really think about one another. To say, "What what, what do you need? Not what do I need? He says, humility is the thing, the clothing that we are to be in. The fourth one is meekness. And these humility and meekness, I think, go hand in hand. In some versions it says gentleness, but the idea um, uh, with meekness is the idea of thinking of yourself or not having an inward sense of self-importance. It's not necessarily in relationship to one another, but it's the idea that you think of yourself inside. You're not overly impressed with yourself. I think that's that's sometimes embarrassing, isn't it? If we, people would really know what's going on inside of us, and we go, we compare ourselves to so and so, we say, yeah, but I'm, you know, I'm better than that. Nobody ever hears it, but it's these thoughts that go in our head, and yet uh, it's not being impressed with ourselves, not being impressed with ourselves. I want to just a side note on this. I'm gonna be careful the way I say this, but God is not impressed with us. Do you know that? That that he doesn't he, he hasn't looked at our accomplishments or our brief moments of success and go, Wow, 
How did he do that? He's so amazing. And so for us to be meek is just to have an accurate picture and not be overly impressed with ourselves. The last one in this list is patience. It's patience. It's being patient with one another. It's it's displaying a patience. It's it's not being one that just says, do it and do it now. Be different. Change now. Now, let me ask you a question. Now, let's save it a question. We'll, we'll ask this, but these are all kind of coming together. I hope these are coming together in your mind. And What's the theme here? What's the theme? If you look at verse 16, there's a... There's uh, verse 16, I'm sorry, verse 13. Uh, he gives us kind of a concrete illustration of how this is going to come out. He says, bearing with one another. Bearing with one another. What do you think bearing with one another means? It means to put up with people. Put up with people. But I don't want to put up with people. Maybe in your mind you're thinking, putting up with people. I put up with people all the time. Uh, side note here, side note. Um, chances are, if you're thinking those things that you put up with people all the time, they're putting up with you all the time as well. There's there's a chance that in your uh, frustration that people are putting up with you. But we we move on. That's a different sermon. Anyways, bearing with one another, putting up with one another. Maybe in your mind you've said this. I don't have to take this anymore. Or I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm sick of it. Scripture tells us to bear with one another. To bear with one another. To put up with one another. And you say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Won't, won't that be one of those things where I just get walked on all the time? And, uh, you know, I, I've already put up with them for a couple of times and they still haven't changed. Um, I'm not going to take it anymore. Scripture says, bear with one another. Bear with one another. You say, well, I can do that. Well, let's move on then, if you can do that. It couples bearing with one another in verse 13 with something more significant. And if any, if one of you has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. Forgiving each other. Now it's not just putting up with one another. You say, I can, I can allow them to live. I can, you know, tolerate them. You know, I have, toler- I have tolerance. It's not tolerance, right? It's not just putting up with one another. It says if anyone has a complaint, if anyone's been offended, if anyone's been stepped on or trampled on by the words that someone else has said or the actions they've done, what do we do? Forgive. Forgive. Yikes. Forgive? But I don't want to forgive. They've offended me. They've hurt me. I can put up with them, but forgiving is a very different thing. Scripture says to do it. I didn't write this stuff. 
we are this this thing we're to put on this piece this garment part of it is to bear with one another and to forgive one another this part of your new identity in Christ a lot of times when we talk about forgiveness some of us think we're good at forgiving you go oh yeah forgiveness it's easy it's easy to forgive because you know um when someone comes to you and they say, oh, I'm sorry, I, I've sinned against you, I've lied to you. You think, oh, you're forgiven. And in your mind you're going, I've lied to you a bunch of times and you just haven't figured it out yet. You know, we, we kind of, I think in football, what is it called? Offsetting penalties. This team did something wrong. This team did something wrong. We'll just act like it didn't happen and we'll move on. A lot of times that's what forgiveness, the picture is that we live out. Or maybe uh, we have a, a more thinking forgiveness that says, you come to me and you say, you know, I, I've stolen from you. I've stolen from you. And you say, yeah, it's okay. You're forgiven. Because, you know, I, I've stolen from other people or I've lied to other people. And I realize that that's just the way we are. So I've done that to other people. You've done it to me. It's going to eventually kind of come around and everyone's going to be okay in the end. That's the kind of forgiveness we hand out. But, you know, I kind of set you up with those last few moments um, purposely. That's not the kind of forgiveness that's spoken of in Scripture. The kind of forgiveness that's spoken of in Scripture. And I want to tell you this. If you look up forgiveness in Scripture, it's, this is almost the, the, the formula every time. Forgive. You're called to Forgive. But we're to forgive in a certain way. And this is the way we're supposed to forgive. If one of you has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. As the Lord has forgiven you. And we we listen to that and we go, Oh, so... God forgives me and I forgive others, right? It's just just like I was talking about. It's that other person over there. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because why did God forgive you? There wasn't a sense of exchange there, right? There wasn't a sense of God goes, yeah, I know how people are. You know, I'm kind of like that too. I, I struggle. I've done some things against some people. Not against you, but, I, you know, there's a sense in which I need forgiveness too. No way. The Lord does not need our forgiveness or anybody's forgiveness. And yet, in Christ, what has He done? He's forgiven you. Isn't that amazing? And so out of that forgiveness, out of what Christ has done, He calls us to forgive one another while bearing with one another. Well, um, as I as I have walked through this list, um, have you seen anything? The old lists, the sexual immorality, the anger, the rage, slander, all that stuff, we see all kinds of examples of that down here on earth, right? We have all kinds of connections to that, and that's just the way things run, right? That's just the way things happen. But as I, I talked about this list and read through this list of that which we are to put on, where do you see that? Where do you see that list? Who, who is the one that is the example? It's Jesus, right? This is how he operated. This is how he went about his business. 
humility, meekness, kindness, right? He's, it's the one. He had compassion. He had patience. He was the one who put up with people. And not just put up with them, but forgave them at the terrible cost to himself. This is Jesus. And so what is he calling us to put on? What is the life he is calling us to live now? It's Jesus. We're to be as he is. We're to put on his life. If you look through the book of Colossians, it's the message throughout, right? Verse 11. How does verse 11 end up? Remember those distinctions? Christ is all, right? And now he goes to this list of what you're to put on, and they're everything that Christ was and is. There's one more, and it's in verse 14. It says this, And above all these, meaning this list that we've just gone over, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Wait, there's one more. There's one more. I got my list, five, six, seven type thing. Uh, I've got my list, but there's one more. And it's somehow distinct. It's kind of, the, the language here is a little tough. It's either the, the, there's one more significant than even those, or it's one that is combined of all those. And it's love. It's love. Once again, what is this love that we're talking about? Is it the love that we hand out? The love that we see down here? Is it the love that's displayed in humanity? No. I'm not one that does a whole lot of uh, cross-referencing, but I'd like to share with you a couple of verses outside of our passage this morning. First John 4.10 says this, And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. What, what's love? Well, the New Testament, when they talk about love and this love that we're supposed to model, it's not like this kind of love. It's the kind of love that God shown us in Christ. That He, he loved us and sent His Son. He sent His Son so that He would be the one to satisfy the requirements of our sin, to pay the debt of our sins. Romans chapter 5 also talks about this same thing. Verse 8, it says, But God shows His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How did, uh, what, what kind of love, what kind of love is it talking about here? It's the kind of love that shows. God didn't say, you know, I love you so much. But he showed his love in that he sent Jesus. Now I want to get I want to get this straight. Um, as we think of love, uh, have any of you ever said to someone, "I love you"? Raise your hand. You should do it more often. Okay, just a reminder. I love you. I love you. It's super important to communicate that. But that wasn't really God's method. Uh, you know, you can find in Scripture, I've read to you a couple of places where it talks of God's love. But His method was not, I will tell you I will love you, but that I'll show you that I love you. 
And the kind of love that it's calling to for us is to show love. I think sometimes we get in this uh, uh, parallel, you know, we have two universes going on simultaneously, and which one are you living in right now? There's one that says, I love you, but then there's another one that says, I speak unkindly to you. I'm selfish with you. I'm proud in front of you. I, I love myself, and, and you're a secondary feature. Is that love? Is that the kind of love where we say with our words, but our life says something totally different? No. That's not love. And that's not the love that's called for here. And what it speaks of, as you look at this list, it's important to see this list is super important, but he's saying at the end, he says, I want to give you the big one. It's love. It's love. As you look at this passage, it's the, the thing, and it's kind of hard to understand this, but it's like the garment that goes over the top, if I, if you will. If you have an overcoat and you have these pieces of, of compassion and, and meekness and, and you put these things on and he says, but the one that kind of covers it all and, and binds it all together and holds it and completes it is what? It's love. It's love. Love like God's. That's the kind of love we're talking about here. It's interesting this passage keeps going back and forth and we're about to go into corporate again, the local church. But what are these things that we are to add to? They're personal, right? They're individual. He's not talking about us going and putting on to somebody else's life these things. He's saying, put on yourself. But I want you to see how this comes together in the church. What happens in the church when we put these things on? Well, I'll give, give you, this is, I'll say it like this. I've decided to change the name of the church. We're going to rewrite the bylaws. We're just going to scratch out, uh, you know, all that Bear Valley Church stuff. It's gone. We're, it's done with. Now the church is going to be named Perfect Harmony Church. Does that sound good? I'd love to be part of that church. I don't think we should do it just quite yet, Okay. Or at least we'll just do it in banner form or something like that and scratch out a little bit of, uh, to see if we, this is what happens. This is the product of us being different, being changed by the gospel and that mark of love. What happens? Perfect harmony. And let me ask you a question. Um, what do they say about Bear Valley Church? Perfect harmony. Wouldn't it be great if they did? Wouldn't it be great? This doesn't happen because uh, we do better advertising. It doesn't happen because we go out in the community and say, hey, we're really nice people. Trust us. It doesn't happen because of that. It happens by us being changed by the gospel personally and that we would put on that which Jesus has made us for. He's chose us for. He's made us holy and we are his loved people. And so as we are satisfied in him and as we are changed in him, that we had put on love and that our church, this church right here, would be known by these characteristics. 
not ourselves. We've got some work to do. It's a good work, and God does not leave us alone in these. Let's pray. God, thank you for the privilege and uh, riches that you've given us in the gospel, that, that we can open your word right now and in these last moments, and we can understand what you have said. God, I ask that you would uh, thrill our hearts with it, that you would... Uh, cause us to be motivated to be different people. Not because we're putting on a facade, but but we are growing into the people you've saved us to be. God, thank you for the opportunity of being before your word. Bless your people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you Friday and or Sunday. You are dismissed.